Welcome everyone to the MH Loneliness podcast. I'm here with Joanna McHugh-Power from Maynooth University uh, in Dublin. Uh, and Joanna's just given a really good talk here at the conference entitled Lonely Porcupines, the complicated relationship between loneliness and social engagement. Tell us about lonely porcupines, Joanna. I know, those poor lonely porcupines. Uh, this is a nice metaphor for human nature, I think, because if you imagine the porcupines, philosopher Arthur Schopenhauer uses this uh, to describe how we try and integrate with other people but then fail. You know, the porcupines huddle for warmth, um, but their spikes get in the way, so they have to separate. So he calls this huddling and dispersing. Um, And I think this is a wonderful metaphor for lonely individuals in particular. I mean, most people get lonely at some point or another, and loneliness tries to draw us into the fold, and we try and seek out other people, but once we start doing that, then we start to rub up against their natures and ours, and it causes us to disperse again. So I took this as a sort of a launch point for my own research, trying to look at whether loneliness actually predicts social engagement with other people or whether it predicts disengagement over time. Um, So what I found in the English Longitudinal Study of Ageing, which is one of the data sets that I typically use, is that it predicted social disengagement over time. So we do seem to be those lonely porcupines where we we become lonely and and then we start to disengage from other people. And, and, And theoretically that might be because the lonely individual when loneliness is chronic it can cause us to become distrustful of other people it can cause us to see negative motive we know this from the sort of social psychological literature we see negative motive maybe when there is it isn't there um, and we start to kind of maybe withdraw socially a little bit so I suppose the obvious thought that comes from that is what do we do about it but let's not talk about what we do about it let's talk a bit more about <laughs> what loneliness is in the first place you kind of came up with a, or you quoted a great definition of loneliness do you want to tell people about that sure yeah it's absolutely not mine it's a 2010 uh, definition of, of loneliness by um, some people in more sort of anthropological uh, fields Van Staden and Coetzee they call it an absence of shared empathic understanding Uh, I think this is a wonderful definition of loneliness because it really gets at the feeling around loneliness and not just that, but it tells us what we might do to then mitigate loneliness is that what we really need to do is create a basis for shared empathic understanding and we've taken that definition in some of our intervention research and tried to apply it into an intervention. So with um, colleagues in in UCSF in San Francisco, uh, we've been running an intervention called MISCI. It's the Multimodal Intergenerational Social Creative Intervention. It's a bit of a mouthful, but essentially what we're doing is we're pairing younger and older adults together and giving them some creative tasks to do over a a 12-week period. So they have to think themselves of what intervention they might want to do and then present it. Um, And, you know, there's a sort of a... um, an exhibition of the of the creative endeavors at the end of the program and we thought this might be nice because it gives them that basis for shared empathic understanding if you put people in a room together as befriending um, services often do all you can really do there's some element of matching you might match for age you might match for gender um then essentially you're putting two strangers in a room together without any basis for for engagement and I don't know why we think that's going to work I think we have to give them some basis for for connection and giving them something like um, a creative endeavor or something that group work does quite well without even realizing it groups like men's sheds um, and other groups like that that have you know a shared um, goal in mind they're ostensibly not about loneliness but they might actually be ameliorating loneliness 
you know, just by the by. Um, part of the reason I think they're so effective is because they also kind of sidestep the stigma about loneliness. So to get involved in a befriending service, you kind of have to own up to being lonely. To get involved in men's sheds, you're just saying that you like tools and that you like carpentry. So they're very different uh, motivations. I think that's that's why I like that definition so much. I think it's really fruitful. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Because it kind of positions the problem, not with the individual, but with the relationship or the whole kind of interaction that we have as human beings. And yeah, totally. I think, as you say, um, having interventions that aren't about the problem in the same way that you have mental health interventions that aren't really about mental yeah. health let's all get together because we're depressed or rather yeah. let's all get together because <laughs> we like walking dogs yeah absolutely yeah i think if you have that basis for for intervention there it's going to be much more successful than uh than if you're just you know and I, I i'm not i don't think there's anything wrong with a befriending service and some of my work is around befriending services and i i think they're very valuable but i think we do have to be very careful about how we how we match people within those services otherwise we're just wasting our time there's been quite a bit of talk already this morning about the definitions of loneliness that we we have and our understanding of what loneliness is and the relationship between loneliness and social isolation and mental health. Um, what's your view of how easy it is currently to research this area and to find out effective interventions? Do you think there's a lot more kind of background work that needs to be done before we can do that? It's a really great question. Um, we have a, a loneliness task force nationally in Ireland um, led by Senator Keith Swanick, who's a GP, who had a kind of professional interest in loneliness. And they wrote a, um, a report uh, last year trying to prioritise and categorise what we need to do in loneliness research next. And I fed into that, and I, I, I think that the three priorities that we have are, of course, understanding the mechanisms through, loneliness, through which loneliness impacts our mental health and intervening but first and foremost it's figuring out what we're talking about when we talk about loneliness because we're talking about many different things some of the uh, meta-analyses that have received the most press attention in the last sort of five to ten years have been based on individual studies with varying definitions of loneliness and they tend to fall into one or two camps they tend to either be loneliness is perceived social isolation that's the kind of John Cachopo um, American field of sort of social neuroscience or loneliness is the discrepancy between actual and desired social relationships and that's the more kind of cognitive approach in social psychology and um, we're bringing together lo- research epidemiologically mostly um, that defines loneliness in these two different ways and we're expecting to have a sensible result and I, I think that that's quite a dangerous thing to do I think you know the the fact that we're making these headlines and we're saying loneliness is more dangerous than smoking 15 cigarettes it's you know more dangerous than than all of these other terrible things that we can do to our health um I don't think that we are qualified to say that just yet I think we need to work a little bit more carefully on how we're defining it and achieving a consensus before we can then go on and, uh, and and start to look at how loneliness relates to other outcomes. Brilliant. Thanks for talking to me. Okay, thank you very much. Mm-hmm.